All right. Let's get it, boys. Let's get it. Man, the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets finally squared off. Jason Tatum is on a tear, and Kawhi and PG coming back for the playoffs. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Mark Jackson or John Starks? John, how you living, my friend? I am doing great. I'm going to go with John Starks. And Sammy, how you living, my friend? I am good. And mama, there goes that man. But go, go. I'll take John Starks. (laughs) (laughs) JJ, who you taking? Who you taking on this? I'm going to go with John Starks. Mark Jackson has been on my uh, weird list lately, if you want to call it that. Yeah, me too. Definitely going John Starks. It looks like it's a a clean sweep. And you know, we're going to hit it off with some quick quick hit news now. And here we go. So it's been two years since the Rudy Gobert anniversary where he deliberately touched the mic and tested positive for COVID. Not really a happy anniversary, but... To me, it's it's crazy <laughs> that it's been two years since we've the pandemic started, and just to right. think that all of the things that we've been through. Shout out to all the first responders and everybody who's you know stayed healthy and people that maybe have lost somebody. Shout out to you guys, and, and hopefully you're healing and moving forward. It's it's uh, you know just a touching thing to think about that we're all here, we're grateful, but uh, yeah, just uh, Rudy, don't do that again, okay? On a, on a lighter note, uh, Flint Tropics shooting guard, Jackie Moon made an appearance this pre-game at the Warriors-Clippers game. Will Ferrell came out and did some warm-ups with Clay. And Clay said, through his rehab, I would watch Semi-Pro when I had a dark day and the move, movie would keep me in a good light. So he had some solid closeouts, but right now he's still in the G League, last I checked. As well, if you want to call it that, Phil Simmons stated that Pelican star Zion Williamson lost 24 pounds. They posted three pictures. And I'll tell you this, gentlemen, and the ladies that are listening, I don't really believe pictures these days. Pictures could easily deceive you. Check out the filters. Check out Photoshop. They do wonders for your body and for your face. Instagram filter. Some very good (laughs) advice and some good words from these three gentlemen. But you know, we're going to talk about 76ers Nets. It literally just happened tonight. The Brooklyn Nets laid the smack down on the 76ers, 129 to 100. Let's talk about the Nets side here first, boys. What did you guys think of this game? The Nets look locked in, man. Yes, sir. They, They look locked in. They look like they wanted to... Get some payback probably on on Mr. Harden. Wanted to take care of their new teammate Ben Simmons as they knew what was going to happen when they walked in. And I actually wondered after this game if there was a little bit of 4D chess from Nash, where by keeping Simmons on the bench, did it take away a little motivation from the Sixers? And did it let KD and Kyrie really just focus because you knew they were going to be really locked in? KD had 25 points in this game. It honestly probably could have gotten 35-40 if this game didn't get so out of hand. He looked really just on point, very smooth. Kyrie and him complimented each other really nicely. But I was most impressed by the defense that they played in this game. There was a couple of times where, particularly when Harden got the ball, 
I think Harlan called it out that he was just in a straight jacket. He couldn't do anything. I think he ended up finishing three for 17 in a big part because you could tell that they were focused. And if th this team, we know the offense is there, right? If the defense plays like that, then look out, everybody else. And so I was super impressed by this team, and I really wonder if this is going to be the spark that they ride to the rest of the year and going into the playoffs. I agree. Their defense looked incredible. And if, like Sammy said, if they can play like that in the playoffs consistently, they're going to be a, they're going to be a big problem. My only thing, obviously, I think everyone would know is Kyrie is the big question mark. And, and to me, he would be the only thing that would prevent the Nets from going the distance. Not even Ben Simmons missing layups or not taking layups would prevent them from getting their goal. That's how good they are. And I think one of the things that's also wouldn't be mentioned is Andre Drummond is a perfect fit for this team because he's a guy that isn't good when you give him the ball and try to create his own shot. But off the pick and roll with KD and Kyrie, he's unstoppable because he's, he's a mobile big. He's, he has a soft touch around the rim. And I think that they could just run that all day, every day. And they're just, KD and Kyrie are already in, unguardable. But you add a pick and roll to that and you add the shooters with Patty Mills. They added Seth Curry they, and they're playing defense. The Nets, I know it's one game, but the Nets, I think we've said this before, or some of us have, the Nets were the favorites, yeah. in my opinion, once they traded James Harden and got that distraction out of the way. Again, the question mark is Kyrie, so we'll see how, what transpires with that. From the mental aspect for the rivalry, other than they needed to win this game, and I'm talking about the Nets just due to the seeding, the, the 76ers had more to lose, fellas. You know why? Because they already have Harden. They needed to win this game just for their own confidence. The fact that the Nets won without Simmons and beat the 76ers on their own court says a lot, in my, in my opinion. And when I look over the numbers, one team had 30 free throws while the other team had 17. You would assume the team with 30 free throws won the game. But you know what? The team that had 30 free throws were the Sixers. That is correct. So now if I'm the 76ers or, you know, if I'm a fan of the 76ers, I'm thinking, well, Arden hasn't really proved it. Embiid hasn't really proved it. Doc hasn't improved it, uh, ha hasn't proved it yet. And everyone circled to watch. This was supposed to be the game of the year. It was hyped up by the media so much. But man, KD, proven. Kyrie, proven. And here they come and rip the soul out. And now they got the mental edge over the Sixers. Yeah, absolutely. And someone that I also want to sort of give flowers to is, is Seth Curry. Like, I knew that he was going to be an important addition to this, but if he could play this well every single time, I mean, the man went off. Absolutely off, but he had 24 points. Not only did he have 24 points, but he had five steals this game. Oh it seemed God. like he was in the passing lanes every single time. They knew exactly where the ball was going, and Seth Curry took advantage of that. Now we're going to take this to the Sixers side, which is the much more interesting side here. What did you guys think of this game with the Sixers in mind? Shout out to James. Harden for shooting 17%. For a second, I thought those were Westbrook stat. That was a Westbrook stat line, but then I realized that the Lakers weren't playing tonight. So 
it, man, where to start? The Sixers, like JJ said, this was a game that you mark on your calendar. This is a game that's being watched all over the world, nationally televised, and you put up this much of a clunker. It's embarrassing, mm-hmm. right? You know that James Harden wants to show up for the team. And it wasn't just James who didn't play well. The entire team didn't play well. I mean, they weren't playing defense. They didn't look in sync. And they won six of the last seven games prior to this. So to me, it's not a matter of, well, were there, was there a consistency or did they were they meshing? Clearly, they were meshing because they were playing, I, albeit they weren't playing great teams, but they were still winning the games. And they looked way better than they, than they did tonight. So I, I think it's a little premature to say that the Sixers... You know the Nets have the Sixers numbers number. I think that it is one game, and we'll see how the Sixers respond in the playoffs. I don't think that they're playing anymore in the regular season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if they do face in the playoffs, obviously they can't play like this. Otherwise, it's going to be a complete embarrassment—a five-one or four-one final, maybe even with Kyrie out. I mean, they just look. The Sixers look terrible. Right, right, and you just have to wonder. If Harden is Harden in his own head a little bit about clutch situations and about the playoffs, I'm sure he's heard the narrative, and this doesn't help. This is as close as a playoff atmosphere as you're going to get in a regular season game. And three for 17 speaks for itself. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Embiid was five for 17 himself, which speaks to the level of defensive play. But you know, Harden had to have this game marked on his calendar, and he still came out and did that. And just on the playoff front, like you were mentioning, John. The playoffs this year are going to be really unusual because there's going to be some potential just super dangerous teams in the play on both sides. I mean, Brooklyn, based on seeding, unless they almost went out, is going to be a 7 or 8. So there's a very real shot that this is a first-round series. And if that's the case, I really think I would pick Brooklyn to win that because we saw this is Philly at full strength. And I know they still need to mesh a little bit longer and take that time, but I just, I don't like their star power over the Nets star power in the playoffs, at least. Because like JJ said earlier, the Nets guys in the playoffs are proven. We have not seen that yet out of the Sixers. And until we do, it's just, it's hard to convincingly pick them, especially when their main thing, which is home court advantage, is kind of negated by the fact that at worst, the Nets second star will be available for those games and has proven that he can shine in a road environment. So I'm trying not to overreact, but I really didn't like what I saw out of them this game. And I just, it feels like the chemistry for the Nets is 10 times better over the, since the deadline. And it just, I just think it's going to get better and better as we get to the end of the season. So with us five here, Jun, Sammy, John, and RJ, our video producer. I think what's cool between all five of us is that we have brothers and we have competitions with our brothers and we've all played those crazy basketball games with our sibling, right? And when you play your sibling, it's a different type of game versus when you play play pickup because you know all the moves of your brother and yet they you don't know how sometimes you could defend it and it gets that much more intense, more is on the line. Where I'm going with this is Steve Nash, KD, Kyrie, and the whole Nets team, they know how to game plan against Harden. 
they've been in practice with this dude since last year. But on the flip side, the 76ers haven't seen Ben Simmons all year, and they don't know how to guard Simmons, Katie, Kyrie, and Curry on the floor at the same time. So when I talk about mental like advantage again for the Nets, I think the Sixers just don't know what to do. And I'm really interested because of John's favorite coach, Doc Rivers, how he's gonna do in the playoffs. <laughs> and Sammy's favorite coach. Sorry, Sam. Top 15, baby. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, going going into this game, we had a conversation about the 76ers. We, we were talking about Tyrese Maxey. And literally, he it looked like he was making a huge jump. That So much so that we were saying, could this possibly be a big three? And you all basically said, well, let's pump the brakes because he hasn't proven anything yet. This was, I want to say, his first big game with Embiid and Harden. And the man only scored four points. He was completely erased this game. I don't know where he went. And if people were banking on Tyrese Maxey being that other person, this is this has to make you nervous. It's gotta make you super nervous if you're the 76ers. I don't you know what I don't like about that it, it either? One of the big things that I about their team is uh, Tobias Harris. I don't think he matches well with James Harden. His game. Agreed. Yeah. One hundred percent. I think because Tobias Harris isn't really like a spot-up shooter or someone off the dribble or someone that can do the pick and roll. He's kind of, you give him the ball on the block and let him go to work. He's a big he's a big guy for his position and he can do things in the post but and create his own shot. But James Harden needs the ball in his hand and I don't know if those two are a good match. So I think that Sixers really should have tried to trade Tobias Harris and maybe a few pieces for somebody else that would fit better with James Harden. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, I mean, even if Tobias Harris was on the perfect team for him, I feel like his game is diminished. Like, I haven't seen, like, I haven't, you know, had a Bleacher Report alert that said, oh, we have the Tobias Harris game. You know, like, here's his highlights today. That hasn't happened in forever, right? I don't know if that's the dude. The one thing I do want to talk about here, though, is Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons enters the arena. He gets some shots up during shoot-around, and the crowd erupts in booze. Thinking back, okay, now that we've seen the game and how it turned out, I'm going to assume that Ben Simmons was relatively healthy. I don't know. I just have a, a feeling, a gut feeling that he was probably relatively healthy. He probably could have played if he really wanted to, right? But maybe yeah. his PR people, maybe him, maybe coaching staff, maybe management saying, no, sit this game out. Do you think they did the right thing? Well, before I get, I'll let you guys talk about it, but I did want to say that the uh, jump shots you were mentioning that he was taking in pregame or warm-up. Were they layups? Those were, no, they were jump shots, but those they were the crowd was booing because those are the most jump shots they've ever seen Ben Simmons shoot. <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> and he probably did it on purpose. Probably did it. Looking on back, purpose. you guys, you guys think Ben Simmons should have. Like this, this was the right decision. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I mean, thirty point win can't complain about that. Um, yeah. I think we all said last episode we would have liked to have seen him play just to rip the bandaid and yeah, and go. And in some ways, I still stand by that. But I, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I really do wonder if they didn't play him on purpose to try to drive the motivation down on Philly's side just a little bit, just because he's there on the bench, almost taunting them. Like I'm here, I'm on the bench. 
you can't do anything about it. I'm just I'm just hanging out here while my boys defend me kind of thing. You know, uh, there's <laughs> yeah. a report out that he's supposed to take part in full practice on Saturday. So it's going to be very convenient if he ends up debuting maybe Tuesday of next week. But Are you guys? Yeah. Also, uh, another thing that I wanted to, to bring. Oh, go ahead, John. Uh, I was just going to say that I agree with what you said, Ro. I think he was relatively healthy. And I thought if he could play, he or he definitely could have played. But I do think it was the right move by the Nets to not play him. And the reason I say that is because Ben Simmons has clearly shown that he's fragile mentally right that he is not there quite there yet whatever the reason may be so i think just throwing him into the fire may not have been the best move especially if he played terrible or poorly i mean that could have really put him in a downward spiral mentally and i think that just getting him getting him accustomed to the booze and the hostility of the crowd is probably going to ease him much better the transition for the next game that he does play yeah and um JJ, I know that you like to be the the body language doctor sometimes when you're like looking at players and watching games and stuff like that. So James Harden gets kicked out, right? Essentially, or he, mm-hmm. he kicks himself out of Brooklyn and he gets to face them for the first time and they're getting stomped. Did you like the way James Harden responded or like his body language during the game? No, he, he seemed kind of out of it, in my opinion. Uh, the last few games that we've watched him play, he was really aggressive. Step back threes, going to the rack, most importantly, to draw attention to fouls, and he didn't do that for whatever reason. And I know I just said this a few moments ago, which the Nets know James Harden, but James Harden should have did his moves on the team that he practiced on on a daily basis, so I don't know what happened. I think what Sammy said earlier, which he's kind of in his own head, man. And he's been in his own head for big games. Yeah. And I feel like Embiid should have been the one to like bring the monster out in James Harden. And what I mean by that is, so me and JJ used to play like pick up, ball, pick up basketball and stuff like that. And sometimes we would lose against a team and then we would, and JJ would be like, run it back, let's run it back. And before the game would start, JJ would look me in the eye and be like, are you gonna play this game? Like, are you gonna, like, are you gonna actually play? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why, why isn't Embiid looking Harden in the eye and being like, bro, are you gonna make a bucket or what? Are you gonna get to the line or what? Like, it didn't seem like there was like, I don't know if there's like a hesitancy, like a trust thing there, but there's no like alpha dog to just get in someone's ear and be like, you're playing like crap right now. You know, it, that's it what kinda, I worry about the the analogy. It kind of reminds me of. Sorry, it was when you start a new job, or you meet somebody new, and they do something dumb, and you want to yell at them, but you don't know them well enough to do uh, so. Ah, yeah. So you kind of have to pull per back a little bit. From my previous email. Yeah. <laughs> then you have to be passive aggressive. Yeah. So what you're saying is that Joel Embiid is gonna write a tweet about it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Indirectly. So, I'm going to move us on to the next topic here. Hold up. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any NBA team and get 150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and up, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for the full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited, minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Connecticut. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. So the Lakers lost again. They <laughs> lost to the Houston Rockets in overtime, 139 to 130. And you know, Jalen Green had some choice words. He basically said that the team was hunting Mello in overtime. Bruh. What do you guys think of Jalen Green's uh, comments here? That's Jalen Green's Filipino side talking. The bluntness. <laughs> no. I, uh, yeah. I liked it actually, and I know our team got smoked by the Rockets, but I think it was, you know, you, you're you just straight up being honest, and you're also just calling somebody out for their poor play on defense. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, he's not lying, he's just saying that's what that was the strategy, and he's telling it to the reporter. I mean, I guess you have to know that the you know, media is going to run with it, they're going to try to twist it, they're going to try to use it against the Lakers and that comes with the territory but I didn't mind it from Jalen Green at all I don't think it was a sign of disrespect the great irony of this game is that I think it was Westbrook's best game of the year if I saw the numbers right he put up 30 shot 50% only turned the ball over once he was on his game LeBron triple doubled but if I remember right he shot 9 of 25 yeah and I mean I don't know what else we can say that we haven't other than if you're losing to the Rockets, then have you have you given up? Is that effort just gone at that point? I mean, and the thing about it is, I think Houston, Chris, Christian Wood didn't even play. He did who not. you would argue is their best player. Yeah, crazy. So that being said, it's it is funny that I think most NBA fans know Melo's defense is not up to par, and it's been out there forever. But out of respect, I think the other players have never talked about it. So this young buck comes out here and just flat out, very matter of fact, says, yeah, we, we were hunting him. We didn't break any bones about it. And then they went out and shot seven of eight in overtime. It's, it's like you wonder, is he going to get any response from other players on Twitter or whatever? But it was just pretty crazy to hear that said outright. It was like stating the obvious, but it's always left unsaid, you know? Yeah, so I know that Westbrook had a good game, but here we go, Westbrook criticism. My cousin even told me this, which was Westbrook had a good game, but guess what? He had two missed shots during overtime. So these opportunities when you're supposed to take over the game and have that momentum shift towards a win, he kind of affects that drastically. Uh, for the Rockets, you gotta give it props. Give them props. Whenever you play a young team, you just never know. 
they could simply go off and Jalen Green went off and Game hey what they what do, what do they say uh, there are three groups of people that always tell you the truth the elderly the drunk and children and Jalen Green straight up a child still in the NBA right yeah or his so, or his drunk on that win <laughs> yeah or he's drunk yeah hey he's drunk on that win so that's what I'll say uh, Mello you know the past few years hasn't played really well in terms of defense he was in fact I believe the lowest defensive efficient player before joining the Lakers and the clips yesterday that we saw as a group us, us five did not look good did not look good yeah, I've, I've seen uh, Carmelo play, try to play defense in Portland. It was not pretty. And it continues to not be pretty. And, John, I think you're right. I think it's almost like a good thing that it's out there. Because Bello maybe, maybe will start paying more attention on defense. Maybe will try harder. I don't know. It made I'm sure it made LeBron James's job a lot easier than going over there and talking to Melo about it. But I'm going to move us on to our next topic. Jason Tatum has been on an absolute tear since the All-Star break. Tatum has averaged 35.4 points, 6.7 rebounds, and 4.4 assists. And he's been very efficient. Basically shooting 49% on field goals, 40 on threes, doing well from the free throw line too. What do you guys think of Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics? This cack of ball, man. He makes them way more interesting if he keeps this pace because if he keeps this pace you have to argue that he's in that top tier even if it's a short-term run of stars that could take over a series because averaging 35 points over seven or more games like that that's not a lot of players can do that period and so when i look at this boston team i still don't care what 538 says and i'm going to keep saying that every time we talk about them they're not the favorite <laughs> But I wouldn't be surprised to see them beat anybody. I can't pick them to win four series, but if you told me they beat the Heat or the Sixers or the Bulls or whoever in round one, it wouldn't it would not surprise me in the slightest. Because the talent is there, the defensive talent is there. I think Time Lord is perfect with Brown and Tatum. I think Derek White was a very underrated add to that team and the pieces seem to fit right now and it's just clicking and as good as Jalen Brown is Tatum is clearly the top guy on this team and so if he can stick to this level it just it makes the playoff picture that much more fun and it just makes them to me as big a wild card as anybody next to Brooklyn because of their situation okay it's going to take every fiber of my being to say this <laughs> but it's going to surprise you guys. But the Celtics are my dark horse pick to make it out of the East. Ooh, I like it. And the reason I say that is in 2020, the bubble year, the Celtics made the Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat, where they lost 4-2. to The Celtics were fourth in defensive rating that year at 106.5. This year, so far... The Celtics are the number one team in defensive rating at 105.6. Talk to them. So to me, I think that's the most important factor of why I think the Celtics are being underlooked. 
underappreciated, and I think they can make some real noise based on that. They are playing some of the, the, the best defense based on this rating in the entire league. And of course, you add Jason Tatum, who is a superstar, or fringe superstar, arguably. And then you have Jalen Brown, who's an all-star. You have great supporting pieces. They're playing well. They're meshing, like Sammy said. And I think that they can make some real noise. So I'm going to go with them as my dark horse pick to make the finals. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do it against the Lakers. Just to, just for the record. So, so really quick, uh, just to interject, I, I think I need to ask RJ, our video producer, to create a Photoshop meme of John with the Simpsons-style Homer backing into the shrub wearing a Lakers hat and coming out wearing a Celtics hat. <laughs> I, like oh, I love it. it. I love it. I will relinquish my position here if you do that. <laughs> there will only be three no, members of the clinic moving forward. Only oh, two hooligans. Please, two no, hooligans. No, Plus RJ. No, no. The Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown combo, we've always hoped and projected them to be great. And now it might come true with how they're performing now. And people often forget that they competed all these years when LeBron was with the Cavs against the Bucks, against all these high profile Eastern teams. But for whatever reason, they've never went past the Eastern Conference Finals, right? That's the furthest that they've been. Right. With, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Um, I'm curious just because we're all hyped on Jason Tatum. People claim that he has the Kobe, Kobe-esque characteristic within him. So we'll see. I'm gonna reserve my judgment on Tatum. Okay, this this is my cell. This is my cell on the Boston Celtics. I don't really trust any of the other teams that are above the Celtics. Like we could go through the list here, the Bulls. Chicago Bulls, what's their record against top teams? One and 14. One and 14. So you, yeah. is that a pretender team? It could be, right? I have no idea what I'm getting out of the Bulls. The 76ers, we just talked about them. They have people that just disappear, absolutely disappear in the playoffs. I can't trust them either. Help! The Bucks. okay? You want to say big three? No one was calling them a big three before they won a championship, right? They got to do it again. They have Middleton and Drew Holiday have to show up again. Giannis is the only person I trust on that team. Now the Miami Heat. They've disappeared in the playoffs before. We all remember this, right? They have yep. disappeared in the playoffs before. So can the Celtics beat those teams? I would not be surprised at all if they come out of the East. Now am I taking them? No, because I think the real dark horse here is the Brooklyn Nets, the sleeping giant at the eighth seed. But I think the Celtics, they're going to be super entertaining, super duper entertaining. I like what I see from this team. Ime Udoka has them playing like wonderful defense, and it's really unlocking Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I lo absolutely love what I'm seeing from this team. Does anyone have... It does, does everyone like sort of agree with me or do you guys think any of those other teams heats heat bucks 76ers bulls you're like flat out taking them over the celtics in the playoffs like flat out like yes 100 i'm taking them 
I'm no. confident in any way. Right? It's, it's That's too, so crazy. It's too open, and it's honestly why I'm looking forward to the playoffs this year more than I have in a while. This is such an open year, especially in the East. The only name that I could bring up that you guys are like, I'm taking the other team for sure, is the Nets. Right? If one Would you take the Nets? If Kyrie is available for all potential seven games, then definitely. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would take the Nets too, but man. Imagine Jason Tatum versus KD. That would be sweet. Yeah, I'd love that series. Yeah, that would be sweet. Um, oh yeah, props to Al, Hof- Al Horford. He's playing like retro. He is man. retro yeah. Al. Atlanta yeah. Hawk. Atlanta Hawk he Horford. Found, he found the the yeah. the fountain of youth or something because <laughs> in the be- the beginning of the year is like what what's or the middle of the year is like well what's going on with him? Anyway, I'm gonna take us to our last topic here. And of course, we got to hear from Sammy soon about this. Kawhi and PG. Kawhi was seen getting up shots up during um, or before a Clippers game against the Warriors. And earlier, it said that Paul George was at practice getting some shots up. Are they going to make a comeback? Are they coming back? What do you guys think of this news? Nobody cares. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I kick it off, John. Kick it off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think getting shots pre-game is a precursor to being close to starting in an actual NBA game. That's fair. I, th- I think the media is obviously just running with something and trying to draw attention and get clicks. But it's a it's a start. Obviously, it's something that we haven't seen before. And who, I mean, you, for all we know, Kawhi could have been getting up shots without cameras there, right, for the last month. But obviously things were documented now. But regardless, it's still a it's still a step in the right direction for him in terms of getting back on the basketball court. So it is hopeful in that sense. In terms of a timeline, I, you know, Clippers probably are the only ones that know what what that may be. But as a basketball fan, you want to see the best players on the court. As a Laker fan, I don't want to ever see Kawhi and Paul George play another game. I want them to retire. <laughs> So the reason that I am obviously very optimistic about this is uh, actually there's a couple reasons. One, we all know how notoriously private Kawhi is, right? So I don't think there's any way the team would have posted him getting the shots up on social media. I agree with John that getting shots up on itself is no big deal. But it's like the team was showing it off. They actually made a point after the game to say just in case you didn't see this and they posted it. With Paul George, they did the same thing. And then media's been asking Ty Lue about both guys. And when they when they asked about Kawhi getting shots up, his response was, oh, I didn't see that. Like, he's being very, very coy. And with Paul George, it's just, he's getting better, he's getting better, and he's had, like, this little smile about it. It just feels like something is there. Uh, Walsh reported that depending on who his sources are, and his sources are gonna be as good as any in terms of within the Clipper organization, there's hope, but they just don't know for sure. But it wouldn't surprise me if Kawhi hasn't even talked to anybody outside of Ty Lu about it, really, and maybe PG and some of the players, just because of his nature. I, if Kawhi comes back, it's kind of the opposite of what we've been talking about with Simmons, where he's ramping up. We think we're going to see him in a couple weeks, whatever the case may be. When Kawhi comes back, you know how it's going to go. It's going to—he's just going to be announced as part of the starting lineup an hour before game time, and that's going to be the end of it. It's just how it's going to be. 
And I actually really like that about him because we haven't heard a thing since he tore his knee until this. And I love that about about the fact that he doesn't need to be in the spotlight and that he actually hates it. So I haven't read anything in particular that's concrete, obviously, but I I think they're coming back. It's just there's too many signs that are leaning towards it. So just call the, the shot. I, I'm gonna call the shot now, and it might be the homer me just being hopeful. But the only other thing is realistically, they probably need to get these guys on the court for two weeks, maybe before the playoffs, just to let them mesh. Because we also don't know Norman Powell's also out. If they get him back in the lineup too, which there's been nothing about him since he hurt his, uh, I believe it was his foot then that's another guy that you have to incorporate with these guys. But the rest of the team at least knows each other, so their mesh period is gonna be a lot shorter than you know Ben Simmons with the Nets, for example. So the last thing I'll say about this, I know I've been talking about it, but I'm super hopeful about this, obviously, is that the playoffs would even be more fun if the eighth seed is the Nets out east and the Clippers at eight on the other side are back with Kawhi and PG. It's gonna be the wildest playoffs we've ever seen if it lines up that way. So for our fans out there, Sammy's on top of the table like Pat Bev and saying that the next five years are ours. Are his. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm part of the Clippers organization, this is what I'm thinking. You have Chris Paul out, who's had a long history of injuries. You have the Warriors, who have been in a tight spot with losses and Draymond Green and Wiseman out. They're supposed to come back, but you never know. You have your neighbor, your your rival in the Lakers not performing up to their standards. And you have the Nuggets without Michael Porter Jr. and Murray, right? This is the perfect opportunity to catch everyone off guard. And let's face it, the Clippers, whether you like them or not, have been balling without their two stars. They've had some crazy comebacks that I'm sure Sammy could tell our listeners. And I wouldn't want to face them. I don't think anyone want to face wants to face them. Yeah. So why not? Why not? Right now, the West is so vulnerable. The East is vulnerable. Yeah. And we all know that windows close quickly. Yeah, hey, yo, shout out to the uh, play-in too, man. Adam Silver is getting super lucky for the second year in a row, possibly. With the Seriously? first Lakers-Warriors, this year might be the Nets, and then the Clippers if Kawhi and PG, and then the Lakers are in the, probably going to be, or hopefully going to yep. be in the play-in. Adam Silver, count your blessings, man. You, you're lucky it should be the Pistons versus the Magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be absolutely wild. And I, I just... I'm imagining what like Zubak and like Reggie Jackson are thinking when they see that post. They're like, man, my my Clippers post only got like a thousand likes, and Kawhi's just like warming up, and he gets like two hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's actually all that we have for tonight's uh, podcast. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Hey, uh, thanks to my dudes here. I don't know how many times I have to tell you guys, but I appreciate you for. Yeah, absolutely. John. I appreciate you too. Thank you. Feeling good. Feeling great. Good night. Yeah. (laughs) Sammy. Thanks for being on, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you all, and I appreciate all of our listeners. Everyone have a great weekend. And go ahead and uh, plug uh, Diagnosing the Lines real quick. Uh, Will do. We're going to drop another episode here in the next couple days, uh, focusing on the MVP odds and 
our, our dark horses and our favorite pick. And we're gonna start talking about same game parlays going into the rest of the season and how instead of picking the spreads, picking individual players and their stat lines can be a lot more profitable. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.